Well, good morning, everybody. My voice is cracking. It's just starting to change, I guess. Anyway, so good to be with you. My name is Ryan Alexander. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward to receive our tithes and offerings. Uh, you know, when you give uh, to your church home, it fuels the vision. Our church vision is multiplying the hope and the heartbeat of Jesus. And so when you give, you're fueling that vision. But you know what else is happening when you give? Uh, your, your soul, your, your heart is being set free. Uh, Jesus says you can't serve two masters, both God and money. Uh, so when you give, you are declaring your freedom. Amen? Amen. So way to declare your freedom. Uh, this is a great time of year, don't you think? This is a great time of year. Uh, springtime, are we happy about that? Yeah, we're happy about that. Uh, true story, just took my Christmas lights down uh, the other day, uh, just two days ago. Um, got a letter from the association. Um, no, uh, we, we took those down. Uh, Final Four, Final Four this weekend. The Masters coming up next weekend, all right? Looking forward to that. Um, and this time of year, I'm usually just generally feeling pretty lucky to be alive. What's he talking about? Especially on April 2nd. April 2nd is my favorite day of the year. You know why? Because April 1st is my wife's favorite day of the year. April Fool's Day, okay? I mean, she, 364 days a year, she is the sweetest person. One day a year, she is horrible. I mean, she is a horrible person. Some of you know this. You've run into this, okay? I mean, I got a text from someone uh, the night before, and the top said, safety. You're welcome to come stay at our house tonight if you need to, right? Um, I come down last month, I come down on April 1st, this, just this last week, and our five-year-old is just in tears, inconsolable. I cry. My wife had put cayenne pepper on his bacon. He's five. I'm like, developmentally, this is going to be a problem. We're going to be paying for counseling. He's not going to trust you, right? And I'm holding him like, it's okay. Dad'll keep you safe. Dad'll keep you safe right here. So lots of stories I could tell you throughout the years, but the, at the end of the day, I pretty much made it through unscathed until the end of the day, I'm brushing my teeth. I'm like, I don't remember eating much garlic for dinner. Why does I just, our middle son, he's caught the disease, put garlic salt on our toothbrushes, all right? So start praying for me now, right? For next April 1st. Anyway, we're in a series called Miracles, and it's our Lenten series. Lent is the six weeks leading up to Easter, and uh, we celebrate this tradition of Lent, and, and we're in a series called Miracles. And in this series, we're looking at the seven signs, or the seven miracles in the Gospel of John. John records seven uh, for us. We've looked at five of these miracles so far in this series. Uh, the last two weeks since I was last with you have been powerful messages. You should, you should check those out. But John tells us that there's a purpose, there's an agenda behind these miracles. And it's not a hidden agenda, right? In our lives, sometimes we think, yeah, there's always a hidden agenda. This agenda is not hidden. Because in the Gospel of John chapter 20, our theme verses, John says, these, these miracles, these signs are recorded so that you might believe. Catch that? So that you might believe, and in believing, you would have life. Everyone say life, wherever you are. Life. We want life, don't we? So these miracles are to point us to Jesus, and then those, those, uh, at that point when we know that Jesus, then, then life, we, we enter into real life. The Greek word there is zoe for life, and it means real life. Lots of people searching for real life. People think they found real life. Jesus is the only way to real life. And so the other part of this zoe word is that, that zoe means vigorous or powerful, so when we enter into the Jesus life, it is a vigorous life. It's a powerful life. It's a miraculous life. 
It's a life in which we are invited to experience miracles, to expect miracles, uh, to participate in miracles, to even perform miracles. Whoa, seriously. Jesus says in John 14 that those who believe in me will do even greater things than I have done, than, than Jesus has done. We're invited into this miraculous life. And today we're going to look at a miracle, one of the seven miracles or signs in the Gospel of John, where a man who's born blind receives his sight miraculously from Jesus. Is that an extraordinary miracle? Absolutely. But it's not the only miracle in this passage. And it's not the only miracle that involves sight being restored, eyes being opened. Let's look at this passage in John chapter 9, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, you can open, open them. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen. John 9, uh, verse 1 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Let's just stop here for a second because this is, this is noteworthy. This is a man who was born blind. He has never seen. And the question occurred to me, what does sight mean for someone? What is sight being restored for someone who has never seen before? And what's the expectation there? Things have been described to him. You know, he's heard about, but he's never seen. Now, most of us, this is not our experience being born blind. So let's broaden the application. What does a miracle look like for us in terms of something maybe that we've never seen before? Is it possible that, that what's standing between us and a miracle is that, well, we've never seen it. We can't conceptualize it. We can't comprehend it because we've never seen it. God wants to give us eyes to see. He wants to open our eyes to see what we've never seen before. Verse two, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? I've given Jesus two, two choices here. And this is the typical thinking around why bad things happen. Right? Someone must have done something wrong. In this case, this man was born blind. It must have been him or his parents at least, right? Because he was born blind, so it must have been his parents. This is the typical way of thinking. But we don't think this way, do we? This is backwards thinking. Unless you're from Wisconsin or, or Minnesota or North Dakota. Who, okay, I'll offend everybody. Canada, North Dakota. We, we, we do think this way, don't we? Oh, that person got what they deserved. Or I hope, I hope he gets or she gets what's coming, what's due. That's our typical way of thinking. If we're really honest. The problem is it doesn't always happen that way. I mean, people do all kinds of stuff in their lives and nothing bad ever happens to them. And then people who live relatively innocuous, harmless lives, they, they seem to have all these bad things happen to them. So it just doesn't add up in experience. So Jesus is gonna give an atypical response to this question, which Jesus often does, by the way, gives an atypical response, not the typical response. In fact, if you're Jesus, the Jesus that you've come to know is always giving the typical response to you, you may want to ask, is that the right Jesus? Because he often has a different kind of response than the world gives. Verse three, it says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Oh, did you catch this? Jesus is shifting the focus from the why question to the How's God, how is God going to work question? This is so key because I think, including me, a lot of times we spend inordinate amount of time in our lives 
spinning our wheels, wrestling with, wondering, why? Why does this happen? Why is it happening? We don't, we don't always know. It's not as easy. He eliminates two options. It's not because he sinned or because his parents sinned. So he eliminates, eliminates those two options. But then he doesn't directly respond to the why question. Instead, he shifts the focus from why did it happen to how is God gonna work? How is God gonna use this? What is God gonna do? I believe that today, this weekend, this healing weekend, God wants to shift for many of us our focus from why to how is God gonna work? We may never know the why, but I believe God can work in the midst of this situation like he can any situation. Let's see what what God does, what Jesus does here. Verse four, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. He was born blind, and now he can see. This is an extraordinary miracle. Now, I think some of us, I just know you, because this, this is me too, we gotta get over the whole mud and saliva and spitting, and we're germaphobes, all right? So we gotta get over this. What's going on with this? Uh, part, part of it is, I think, that Jesus wants us to understand that, that no miracle is exactly the same. How a miracle unfolds, is, none, of, none of these Miracles in the Gospel of John and throughout the Gospels happen in exactly the same way. There's some uniqueness, as if he's saying, hey, there's no formula to this. This isn't like a magic book or spell where you just, if you follow these instructions, then a miracle will happen. No, they're all different. And in the ancient world, the spittle from a holy person was considered to have some healing power. So maybe that's part of it. I think, though, what's going on here is that this is messy mud and saliva and dirt. If we want to experience God's healing work in our lives, God's healing power, we gotta be willing to get a little bit dirty sometimes. We gotta gotta be open to things getting a little bit messy. We gotta be willing to let go of control even, which is hard for me. It's why I hate April Fool's Day, right? But if we wanna experience, we gotta let go. We gotta get outside of our little box and go, you know, it might get a little messy. It may may be a little uncomfortable, but, but... that's sometimes what happens when there's a miracle. Now from here, this man has been healed. His eyes have been opened. And for the next 24 chapters, he has these interactions with the Pharisees, the religious teachers of, of his day. And uh, it's, have you ever seen the Abbott and Costello or heard this, who's on first? Have you ever seen this? The next 24 verses are kind of like that. Like who's on first? Like this guy, I thought he was born blind. That can't be him. And Jesus, no, Jesus can't be healed. He's just a man, Right. And so there's that. It's kind of funny and comical. You should read it. But we're going to pick it up. Uh, We're going to jump to verse 32. And this is the the man born blind who's been healed talking. Verse 32 says, Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner, they answered. You trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. This is an aside question, but, but it's a question that God put before me this week. Who are we throwing out of our lives because we think they don't have anything to offer us? Or maybe their story is a little bit you know, out there or makes us uncomfortable. We don't understand it. Because this guy would have had something to teach those Pharisees about healing, right? But they kick him out 
of the synagogue? Who, who is it in our lives, maybe, that we've kicked out, that we think we're superior to somehow? Verse 35, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the son of man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. And yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees were standing nearby, heard him and asked, are you saying that we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. I told you a while ago that there are two miracles, two miracles that involve people's eyes being opened to see in ways that they had never seen before. And we, we get the physical you know, miracle here of eyes being opened, but there's another miracle. The man born blind not only was able to see physically, he was able to see spiritually for the first time to see who God is, to see who Jesus really is. And his eyes were open. He was healed from spiritual blindness. And they're both miracles, right? Being healed of physical blindness, being healed of spiritual blindness. Unless we think healings from, from physical blindness don't happen today, I think God's trying to make this point with me, but in the last week I've heard two stories of people's sight, who, that their sight has been restored. Last week, I was preaching at Community of Hope, one of our partner churches, and a woman came up to me after. She said, I know we're talking about miracles in this series. And she said, I just, she said, I don't share this with a lot of people. She said, but a couple years ago, I was legally blind, and some people prayed for me at this church, and, and I could see. Like, I, I, I could see again. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. And then just last night here, someone came up to me, and last week, in the midst of the series on miracles, she was able to, from the back, she had never been able to see the words on the screen before, she was able to see the words on, on the screen for the very first time. And she's like, I can see them this week too. Well, miracles happen today. Eyes are being opened, blindness healed. But the miracle of, of spiritual blindness being healed, right, just as remarkable in fact, in some ways, even more. And I would say that without this healing of our spiritual blindness, we may miss some of those miracles of physical healings that are happening all around us or that God wants to show us without those. And so God wants us to be very clear on something, that, that the healing from spiritual blindness is uh, critical in our faith journey. And on this healing weekend, I believe he wants to do some of that kind of healing. In this series, we've been, uh, we've been talking, we've been sharing stories of people who have experienced healing in their lives. This week, uh, we've got just uh, an extraordinary uh, story to share with you of someone who has been uh, healed both physically and experienced multiple healings physically, but also experienced healing from that spiritual blindness that I was talking about. And so I want to uh, invite to the stage, and when you join me in welcoming to the stage, my friend, Patrick Tollefstrude. Hey, Ryan. Hey, thanks, thanks for see having you. me. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. I like that coat, man. Well, you know, Looks when good. you uh, get together with your pastor on Sunday, you got to wear your Technicolor coat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks good. Yeah. 
Well, I know uh, I said he's a friend. And you know when someone's a real friend is when they help you move, right? Only real friends help you move. And this guy helped me move into our new uh, neighborhood a couple years ago. Um, and that's when we started getting to know each other. And over time, I got to hear his story. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Um, Patrick, I think it would be helpful for uh, people to hear a little bit about how you grew up, you know, just to kind of give us context for some of the sure. stuff you're going to share later with, with faith and church and all that. Yeah. Um, so growing up, um, we went to Catholic church. I uh, was raised in a Christian family that celebrated, you know, typical Christian morals, beliefs, and values. Um, and, you know, while I was exposed to the word of God in scripture, uh, I never really engaged in it. And so often found myself, uh, found myself not encouraged by it. Um, I sort of saw the, you know, thousand-year-old stories, these biblical stories, uh, through that 21st century lens that Julia talked about last week. They just never, I never had that personal connection where they rested on my heart. Um, you know, with this series, Miracles and Healings, I sort of thought of healings and miracles like a spiritual lottery. Uh, the odds were not in your favor, you know, random people from random places around the world uh, experienced healings and miracles. Uh, they weren't happening around me or especially to anybody that I knew. Yeah, which I think probably describes a lot of our stories. I mean, you described my story growing up in a fairly typical traditional church environment and didn't think about um, a lot of this stuff. Uh, and so then you, you grew up, right? <laughs> grew up. Mostly you... Uh, you got married, yep. you married up. Yeah, well, so saying. did you, buddy. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, you started having kids, three boys like us, which yeah. is fun. We're in yeah. a we're raising boys, boys group together. Uh, but then uh, in the span of a couple of years, you got thrown a couple of major curveballs yeah. uh, in life. Yeah, you know, Things say. you weren't expecting. Tell us about those. Yeah, big curveballs. Uh, so in 2012, um, our youngest son at the time, Calvin, was about six months old. And he was diagnosed with FPIs. Um, which is a terrifying disease that uh, really aims to uh, steal the joy and development in a child. Um, and quite frankly, it also aims to, to destroy families and marriages. Uh, FPIs is just short for food protein-induced endocolitis syndrome, which is this sort of autoimmune allergic reaction the body has to the proteins in food. So as we started to wean Calvin off of breast milk and move him into normal food, uh, about two hours after feeding, he would start to vomit profusely until shock. And so he would require immediate emergency room care. And this was a, a real dark, kind of terrifying time, if you can imagine. Um, you know, watching my wife try to feed our son, uh, you know, foods and be scared, you know, to even put something in his mouth when he was crying from, from hunger pains was, was tough to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And if that wasn't enough, a uh, year and a half, fast forward a year and a half later, and you got hit with some news too. Yeah, um, so, you know, sometimes God's provision just doesn't come wrapped in your preferences. Um, you know, about hmm. the fall of 2014, um, I was down in Rochester at the Mayo Clinic for a two-day executive physical. And the first day of that physical program, uh, you know, like a normal 35-year-old would, uh, as you can imagine, pass with flying colors, you know, aside from doctor whispering in my ear, you know, lose 15 pounds for your wife. Yeah. Um, but the second day when I went back, um, you know, I quickly learned that I would be going back for dozens more days. Um, imaging from that second day had revealed that there was a tumor in my testicle. Um, and some further testing in labs, you know, later would reveal the extent of what we were really dealing with. The cancer had moved outside of the testicle into the lymph nodes in my abdomen. 
And they gave it a name, uh, Stage 3B. And so we thought we really knew what we were dealing with at least, uh, you know, giving it a name. But as you can imagine, as often as the case with cancer, the physical disease itself isn't only what you're dealing with. Um, all of these sort of life issues that we had swept under the rug and never really given attention to uh, or medicine to uh, with the pressure and stress of dealing with cancer and everything that's involved sort of forced out all of these things into the open. And so we were also dealing with those things as well. Yeah. Well, you know, we've talked in the series about um, when miracles happen, oftentimes there's a sense of desperation that people have, that uh, people turn to God in those moments desperate. Uh, for him. And, and I know that's part of your story when you began to turn to God in the midst of all of this. So tell us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a real desperate time. Um, you know, my wife and I had exhausted just about every option we could think of or find, uh, you know, in the world to help heal our son. Uh, we met with some of the brightest doctors and specialists, and there was just no cure, real treatment plan that they could give to us. And while we, you know, believed in, in God having enough power uh, to heal our son, and that he did perform miracles, uh, it just wasn't something that we believed in our heart would, would happen to us. You know, it was sort of that spiritual lottery thing. Uh, you know, he wasn't going to punch our ticket. Um, but, you know, the, the power of testimony, as you talked about earlier, um, really became real for us. Uh, one of my wife's friends, who she had met through an FPIs group, uh, posted a testimony of her child being healed. Uh, by the power of God, and so we became very interested. And, you know, by the grace of God and grateful people um, in this church, or graceful people in this church, in this church, uh, we were led to Hosanna. Uh, and so, you know, the motto, we were led to Hosanna, or we, we believe the Lord led you here, uh, really led us to Hosanna. Uh, we were still practicing Catholics at the time, uh, but uh, you lent the prayer room to us, and uh, we had our son Calvin prayed over and that day, that evening, he was miraculously healed of FPIs. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, so never ever had an FPIs reaction again, which was uh, amazing. And, you know, Calvin today has a real great relationship with food. <laughs> um, you know, we call him our dump truck eater. And so the, the joy that was stolen with the diagnosis was uh, quickly restored. Yeah. Yeah. I know Calvin pretty well, and he is very much alive and vigorous and uh, full of energy. Yeah, we'll right? say that, right? Well, and then your healing. Yeah. Um, well, so Calvin's healing was really a faith game changer for us. You know, it changed the trajectory of where we were in our lives and where we were headed. And so my wife and I and our family started coming to Hosanna regularly and just having these very intimate personal experiences here. And, uh, you know, while I wanted a miracle just like my son's healing... Uh, for me, there was just this sort of shadow over cancer that um, an immense amount of doubt and uncertainty and fear with my prior understandings of what cancer meant. Uh, and so I wasn't prepared for that. Um, my healing was going to be a process. And God heals with miracles, uh, and he also heals through a process. Um, and for me, that process required a lot of prayer and a lot of strong believers uh, to surround me. So, you know, in my experience, um, I found what I like to call hope makers and hope takers. And hope takers are those that sort of quickly put their opinions on you. They're very certain of the facts of the situation or the realities of the world that we're living in. And oftentimes, you know, while they're well-meaning, 
uh, I think, you know, they come from beliefs that are shaped from the experiences they've had in, in their own lives. Uh, maybe they walked a journey with somebody going through cancer and prayed hard, uh, but didn't see healing. Uh, and so, you know, I believe that words and thoughts are pow- powerful things. They shape essentially what we believe. And, you know, I needed hope makers around me to surround myself with them, link arms with them, and walk with them. People like Pray for the Cure and the Healing Team Ministries here at Hosanna. Uh, Mary Nelson, Howie Nelson, uh, you know, Tony Caterina, Mark and Annette Deluge, Sue Johnson, Glenn, and so many others that just selflessly gave up time and energy uh, to speak a higher truth over my situation and um, lead me in a different direction. And what I began to experience and really realize uh, being a part of the Pray for the Cure group uh, is that healings are happening everywhere and they're happening often. And so this old way of thinking that miracles were these sort of things that just sort of randomly happened, uh, you know, occasionally uh, throughout the world uh, was just a a total lie uh, that I had been living uh, for a long time. Uh, And so, you know, there's also something really special about uh, today and me being here, uh, aside from sharing my uh, testimony, which hopefully for some of you, uh, you know, uh, strikes a a place in in your own life or heart. Uh, Today is exactly four years to the day that I was healed of cancer. (laughs) Sometimes I think God just likes to have fun with this stuff, but when I asked Patrick and I was with some other guys, you know, hey, what would you think about sharing your story uh, at a healing weekend we're having at Hosanna? On April 7th, he was, what? What date? April 7th, I had no idea, the exact day that he was healed four years ago. Isn't that amazing? Pretty cool. It's amazing. (laughs) Well, you know, we're, uh, today we're, we're looking at this passage in, in John chapter 9 where there is a, a physical healing uh, from blindness, but also the spiritual healing of, of eyes being opened, um, someone being healed from spiritual blindness. And I know that's happened for you as well. Would you just share a thought on kind of how your eyes have been opened spiritually throughout all this? Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest things was I began to realize that God didn't want to just heal me physically. He wanted to heal me completely. You know, I tended to think of things earthly while God thinks of them eternally. And, you know, sometimes God just wants to do something, you know, in you before he does something for you. And so God heals miraculously, uh, but he heals through that process. And it was when I encountered that process that I was sort of uh, forced to face my own BS, you know, belief system. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I had to... um, I had, to, I had to decide the belief system that I was going to invest 100% of my faith and trust into. You know, either the facts and the scary facts and circumstances of the reality of my diagnosis and, and the cancer situation that uh, I was dealing with, or God's higher truth, the written word that doesn't change, uh, that tells us what God really you know, has uh, you know, for us in healing. So, you know, I think as I look back, it's... It's very daunting sometimes when you get a cancer diagnosis to see through the storm uh, to healing on the other side. Uh, The facts and reality of cancer were just bigger than my limited understanding of God's higher truth uh, at that time. You know, because in my heart, you know, again, uh, I just didn't necessarily believe that uh, healing was, was possible. So I found myself doing kind of the hokey pokey or, you know, as I like to refer to the holy pokey, sort of for a long time in my process, um, sort of one foot in God's higher truth, you know, in the written word, and then sort of one foot out back into these scary circumstances and the realities of tests or scans or things that I was hearing. 
and sort of one foot in, one foot out, the devil just turns you all about. Mm. Um, you have to invest 100% into what you truly believe is, is what I learned. Uh, I also learned that I really had to give up control. Um, you know, I couldn't control what was going on with me or my body, um, you know, with the cancer that was, was there. And Pray for the Cure Ministries uh, taught me that I needed to shift my focus uh, to what I could control, which was my response to everything that was happening. And I think Mary Nelson does a great job of illustrating, um, you know, a, a way of showing this. You know, if I were to squeeze an orange, what do you get? You know, orange, orange juice. juice. But if I were to squeeze a Christian, what do I get? You know, so if the devil is squeezing you with cancer or F-pies or whatever condition or issue that you're facing, you know, it's not going to take long for that devil to flee if all he's getting is Jesus. And so uh, I believe, you know, that I was truly changed from the inside out. Hmm. Amen. And uh, before you go, I thought you could yeah. just do the hokey pokey. Yeah, I'm going to do the hokey pokey. But actually, before you go, what I'd love to have yeah. you do, maybe release in, in a, a prayer uh, over us, because I believe uh, based on what you've been through, you carry an authority and an anointing okay. um, that is exceptional. And, uh, and it's healing weekend. So before you go, would you just say a, a quick word of prayer over this group of people that are leaning in for healing today? Sure. Let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, humble ourselves uh, before you today. Um, I believe it was in the garden, Lord, that you uh, said that the simplicity of Christ was removed. And when we look at the way the devil attacks us, you know, he attacks our faith by going after our belief system. So if we keep things simple, you know, we know that God does not send sickness or disease. Disease does not have the sign-off or permission of God. It's not of God. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was God who said, according to your belief, be it unto you. So Holy Spirit, move now in accordance with your will, with the will of God. I take our rightful inheritance of accessing your power and authority from the death of your son Jesus on the cross. You paid for it, and it was a huge cost. With the power and authority, I speak to disease, all of it. I bind it and command it out in the name of Jesus. We force you to be obedient to Jesus' will, which we know by your written word is healing. So be healed now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you join me in thanking Patrick for sharing his amazing work this day? So John tells us that the purpose of miracles is that we might believe in Jesus. And that by believing in Jesus, we would have life, real life, vigorous life. And that just happened for us. Uh, today, did it not? And uh, we now um, are going to step into a time of healing. And uh, it's just perfect that we're going to celebrate the sacrament of communion uh, during this healing time because communion um, primarily is about a couple of things. One is the present, we experience the presence of Jesus in the body and blood, the bread and the wine. Uh, we experience, and, and healing always starts with the presence of God. The other thing about communion is that we remember what Jesus has done for us. We read in 1 Peter that by his stripes, by Jesus' wounds, we are healed in, in just about every way. And we all need healing in some way, right? We're, we're all in need of this healing. In the, in the communion time, there's, uh, go, there are going to be prayer ministers who are um, going to offer to anoint your head 
uh, with oil, based on James 5, 14, where it says, if you're sick, uh, let the elders, go to the elders to anoint you and pray for you. And we're gonna experience that. You will have the opportunity to experience that. Uh, We all need healing in some way. Maybe it is physically, maybe it is relationally, maybe it is emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, that our eyes would be opened. That's been my prayer is that more people would have their eyes opened to who God is, what he wants to do, the healing work that he wants to do in your lives. You know, I wear contacts and when I was a kid, I, when I got contacts, I, I put them in for the first time and I was, whoa, there are leaves on the trees. And, uh, you know, I could see the baseball for the first time. I still missed it when I swung, but I could see it. So God wants to open our eyes. I had a dream recently, just a couple of weeks ago, in this dream, it was so clear. Uh, some person, I think I know who it was, was offering me these huge, like outrageously huge contacts. Say, so here, put these in, put these in. And, and in doing so, I was able to see on my peripheral and, 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 and in ways beyond the surface, beyond the natural that I'd ever seen. And I believe, as goes the shepherd, so goes the flock. God wants to open our eyes. He wants to show us what he's capable of, who he is, the healing work that he can do. Are you open to this? He wants to show you who he is and how he can heal. But let's go to him now and pray one more time and invite him to come. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. But I I do sense that there are, are needs for healing that, you wanna open us up to that, that maybe we've never even seen before because we were kind of born without being able to see beyond the natural. Our eyesight is limited. And so God, would you open our eyes, perform this miraculous healing of being cured from spiritual blindness that, that we often find ourselves in in this world. Come Holy Spirit, you're a healing God. And there are needs for healing and your sacrifice on the cross. By your wounds, we are healed. And always, you've made healing possible. So once again, this healing weekend, bring your healing power and presence. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.